Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Mark, you are all across Watch My Numbers. You are all over this like a rash. It does look pretty impressive. Look, one of the things I missed from my career that Nick enjoyed was having stats available. I never got it except, of course, for sand saves where I was number one. But I never got the look at how close I was hitting the five lines. Where my miss was with my driver. I never got it. And it was always just in my head. I didn't actually know the facts. And with Watch My Numbers, it's no longer a feel thing. It is a factual guide to what you are doing in the game. And Nick, Mm. you knew how powerful that was playing in the US Tour. Yeah, we had what was called ShotLink over there. But I wish I'd have had this sort of an app for myself. Because weirdly... I was very much a field player, and I kind of stayed away from the statistics. But looking back, if I'd have had this, who knows? So it's got the pro level. It's got the elite level. It's got the low handicapper, the high handicapper. It covers everybody, and your stats will be assessed at your level, and you'll be pushed into the right direction because of the Watch My Numbers app. It's a beauty, folks, and I highly Highly recommend it. I was on it the other day, and uh, subscribers get extra bonus content, including videos from you, Mark, doing some stuff as well. <laughs> Why are you laughing, man? <laughs> Why are you laughing? Hey, by the way, do you do it during or the round or after? Either way. Oh, really? Yeah, you can do it right there and then, or you finish your round and you put your own data in. So nice. you might have had a 150-meter 7-iron on the third hole at Metropolitan Golf Club. Put where you hit it from, you mark where it went to, and then you've got the real-time data at your fingertips anytime you want from that point forward. Watch My Numbers helps you master your game and play smarter by using data. It is week 31 of the golfing calendar. And live from the Australian Golf Centre, home of Debga of Australia and Golf Australia. This is Talk Birdietome with Nick O'Hern and Mark Allen. What on earth was that? <laughs> I mean, honestly, we were having a bit of fun with Lafia uh, last week, and the most ridiculous thing is mm. that somehow you played with yeah. someone from Lafia, no. or what, what happened last week? You won't believe this. <laughs> so, yeah, Dan, you sent out on the socials about how we don't have any Latvian followers. Disgrace. All that. Yeah. It's disappointing. It is, it is disgraceful. Yeah. I was playing and down at the National uh, on last Wednesday. Beautiful weather out yeah. there, by the way, on the Gunnamatta course with some friends of mine, Mark Robertson, Ray Mack, who you know. Yeah, I know, you Ray. Know, you know Ray at Kingston. Bit of Lee Trevino about Ray. Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. And uh, Mark brought along a friend of his, Bruce Shaw, and we got chatting, as you do. We're out mm. in the golf course and uh, you know, said, oh, how many kids do you have for... Bruce, he said, oh, well, my daughter's in New York at the moment. And right. I said, oh, what's she doing? Oh, well, she's married uh, my son-in-law. He's Latvian. And I've gone, you are <laughs> kidding me. Okay, this is our chance. <laughs> so I said to him, by the way, I do a podcast, etc. We haven't got any Latvian listeners. So I said, can you put the word out to the son-in-law, which he did. Uh, I think his name's Kirill, he said. Oh, hi, Kirill. And uh, uh, but the problem was, Kirill, he doesn't play golf. Oh. So he said he'll have a lesson. But I said, no, 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 no. He'll be in New York. 
that's not going to come up as someone listening yeah, from Latvia. Right. So he's got to send the message to the family in Latvia. So Dan, you need to check see uh, see oh, this week. I think we might I'm have watching, some downloads. I'm keeping an eye on this. <laughs> there was nothing. That, there was nothing about two hours ago. But I haven't heard anyone talk about someone from Latvia in forever, and all of a sudden, two days after we're talking about yeah, it, ridiculous, yeah, ridiculous. Hey, we've got a lot to get through today. Uh, we, we we've seen a major. And two actually, Celine. Uh, she actually had the opposite of a banana peel start. She just absolutely blew. So I want to talk about her. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about one of the worst finishes I've ever seen in my life at the three M Open, and how much money it cost one particular person. Bads did well. Uh, the PGA Tour is set up for next year. Now it all changes in twenty twenty four. You've it got does. some information about that, and the local rule as well that the PGA Tour aren't going to put in place that the USGA and the RNA desperately want the top liners to put in place. So we've got stacks to get through. Let's talk about the Evian first up. Celine, now is Boutier, I've heard it say a thousand different ways this week watching it. I would have said Boutier. It's yeah. like a bit like Stuart Bouvier. Remember Stuart? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I know Stuart quite well. He was a bloody good player, Stuart. Um, Celine just did it so easily and it's the second major in a row where there was nothing to watch. There was no drama. There, there was just brilliance. Mm. And and when I talk about, and we've got to come up with a name, because we've got the banana banana skin banana start. Skin, right? mm. Listen to this start. Stands on the first tee Which in the last three, round. four-shot lead? She had a four-shot lead. Mm-hmm. All right, so, so just the awkward one. It's not eight. We could get off to a banana pin, uh, skin start and stuff it up and, and be okay. Birdies one, birdies two. Pass three and four, difficult holes. Birdies five, three under start and tournament basically over. Six shot lead at that stage. One bogey on 13, one birdie on 15 and just fair to You don't see it too often when someone looks in such control and just moseys around the back Mm. nine like it's no big deal. A million dollars was the first place check. That's big cash. Very big. And, And she made it look like I don't know. She's playing in the Box Hill Pro-Am. It, it was incredible just to watch this young lady do what she did. Mm. I saw a little bit of the golf because, as you know, it is my favourite yes. major yes. on the women's game. Yes, yes. <laughs> Not everyone's, quite, yeah. Everyone's favourite major. Uh, yeah, but yeah. Uh, the the views are incredible. Unbelievable. Incredible views around Unbelievable. there. Unbelievable. The golf course, yeah, I'm not sure it's one of the highest uh, regarded in that no. in that sense. Let's be honest. The golf course is rubbish. I was being kind. Yeah, you <laughs> it's a rubbish golf course with the best views on the planet. Yeah. Pretty simple. And that, there's nothing wrenn- wrong with that. Mm. It's a little bit like that Cran uh, when we, on the uh, European tour where we play the um, Amiga Masters. Yes. Uh, not the best golf course, but the views are phenomenal. Ridiculous. Phenomenal. Ridiculous. But, uh, but she played an outstanding round of golf, shot a closing 68 for her first major. I looked her yeah. up just to... Get us a, a sense of what she, she's finding five foot tall. I thought she was yeah. taller than that. No, tiny. Incredible. Tiny, tiny, tiny. Brooke Henderson, two under in the front nine, no bogeys. Uh, Celine Borge, just, you know, one under through the mm. first. You know, th- they all got off to cracking starts. So, Minji Lee had a chance too, didn't she, going into the final round, four or five yes, behind, yes. which she came from behind last time she won at the Evian, but unfortunately. Didn't put it. Yeah, had a bad day. Picked up 81,000. But Stephanie Kiriakou uh, shot 68 in the last round, picked up Mm $81,000. So she's doing some nice things, Stephanie. She's doing some really nice things. Yeah, she's exempt for next year. Anyway, the Evian's done and dusted. And not 
really a hell of a lot to talk about. I know you'll give us some other results well, a bit one, later. One thing on. that came... I know we're going to talk about the rules a bit later, but I think because we're on the Evian already, there was a bit of controversy earlier in the oh, week yeah. with the Spanish player Carlota Segunda. Right. Uh, now, notoriously slow. She is a slow player, yes. yes. She, she reminds me a little bit in Sergio Garcia, the mannerisms yep. and how she goes in. Sergio's not the fastest player either. So she uh, came to the final hole, I think two or three holes left. They were put on the clock. They were on the clock early. They were. Yep. And on the final green, she took 52 seconds to hole her putt right. or, or to putt out on right. one of her shots. So and if you don't know. 40 seconds is the. First player, 40 seconds, is it? No, Second player, 50 and 50? 40. I think it's 40 for so everyone So it's 40 now. for everybody I now? I believe so. Or was it 50 for the first Mate. player and then 40 and 40 for the second and yes, third? Yes, there you that, go. That's what Sorry. it is. Yep. yep. Uh, so she um, was in the scorer's hut and the well, the official came up and said, look, you took too long. We're going to assess you a two-stroke penalty. She was four over at the time. The cut yeah. was five over. Yeah. So if she'd have added the penalty to a scorecard, she would have been six over and missed the cut. That's right. So she said, no, I'm refusing to sign this card. So they disqualified her. Yeah. Mm. Now, the What way, do you think? Well, this is... The way, the way that she has described it, okay, so she's on the very last hole in the second round. The group behind is not on the tee. That doesn't matter, though. I get that. But if I was a rules official, I would take that into consideration. Mm. I would say, okay, they've done their bit. They have got in front. And even though it's not in the rules, I know that's an important putt. And I'm going to cut you a break here because thank you for making up some ground on that group behind. So, Well, they didn't, actually. That's why they were still on the clock. They hadn't made up any ground. Oh, they actually hadn't made up any ground on the group in, in the front. field. So the group behind actually got a little bit slower. They were, they were probably on the clock as well. Right. If I'm the rules official, I still take that into consideration. Okay. Because okay. you're not holding that group up. So that that's what I would have done. And where, what I don't like about it is... If she's notoriously slow, this should have happened years ago. This, this, this sort of stuff, and, and don't make it a little ask, you know. If she's slow, she's slow. If he's slow, he's slow. Wherever they're slow, get them there. Mm. Don't, don't wait until the 36th hole of the tournament to say, we're going to give you two. That's what I, I don't like about, about yeah. that ruling. You? The officials certainly have some leeway either way to make yeah. uh, a, a judgment call. But yeah. personally, I think I can see why she's upset because there is a bit of inconsistency the way they go about these rulings. I think they need to start taking a more hard, lance, hard line stance. Mm. So I didn't actually mind it. Yeah. Tough for her to miss the cut, but it actually sends a message saying, look, we're going to get you wherever you are. First hole, last hole, it doesn't really matter where you are. If it's slow, you're slow. They need to start implementing these penalty strokes, I think, just to help speed yeah. up the entire round because it's not getting any better. It really isn't. And they, they need more of this. And there are a lot of slow players out there. And there are notorious ones who are slow, but when they see the official, they get on the clock, they play faster. Yeah. Bernard Lang is a great example. Uh, absolutely. And it then drives when, you crazy. And then when the official disappears, guess what? He goes back to back. being slow again. You go, oh, my gosh, this just keeps going in circles. So they need to either call out these players, make a list, put it up in the locker room. That would be fantastic. Okay. I, I think we've spoken about this before. Yeah, we have. We? Yeah. I want to float something past you, though. If let's call it Bernard Langer, okay? Even though he's an ornament to the game, let's make yes. it all about him. All righty. Let's say that he's put on the clock early in a round, and then he speeds up like he has his entire life, gets back into position. His whole group gets back into position. I think if he falls out of position again, I think that's it. That that would be my way 
moving forward. If I was going to alternate uh, also the rules uh, moving forward, that would be certainly one of mine. That if you are put on the clock once, even if you make up ground, if you slip, let's say, two minutes out of position one more time, the issue there That's is it. it may not be his fault. Maybe someone lost a ball. They yeah. had to look for a ball for a few time, you know, minutes. Yeah. There's a ruling going on there. But it's a grey area. Well, that's when they go back on the clock and then you just bang, bang. straight into them again. Now, ideally, you'd love to have official with every group yeah. like they do at the, the Open Championship and the Majors, but they don't do that, obviously, on the PGA Tour or the LPGA either. So uh, it's going to be an ongoing thing. And But I think if they start taking more of this hardline stance, start penalising people where it actually means something, people will speed up. Yeah, tell, tell tell me this: if 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 Bernard Langer, if that does happen to Bernard, <laughs> and then he's back on the clock again, they don't penalise the group, do they? They only penalise the player who is slowing down the group. Well, it used to be every player is on the clock. Yeah. So so my question back to you is, if everybody in that group was going to lose a shot. Would that, in a roundabout way, solve it? Because now that player That's is tough. It's, it's not just about him; it's about the others. Yeah, they got to start calling out there. Right? So, so you know, you, you can play slow, but now you're costing me shots, buddy. <laughs> well, you know what? The best thing to do would put three three slow players together. Yeah. That's going to sort them out real quick. Well, that's see, <laughs> this is exactly right. If 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 they want, if they really wanted to get tough about slow play. On any tour anywhere in the world, they could. They can. But they've chosen not to for so long. And now we're getting to this obscene stage in golf where not only if you are watching it on TV, but if you're actually going to it, to where, to watch them just trundle down the fairway. Yeah, like, you know, like they're, I don't know, like they're at the, at the fair, yep. just walking to the next ride or something. I mean, I, I don't know. I think it's... It's got to be knocked well, on the head. Well, the other rule, you know, we, we'll talk about rules as we go, but another rule that the USGA has just uh, decided to bring in this year is for their elite amateur events, uh, there's going to be no looking at yardage books on the greens. Yeah, I love it. And I love that rule. I love it. I mean, we had the green reading books. Remember, they brought those yep. in. Now, they've been banned, I think, since. But Born. players still do look at the uh, yardage books. So what? is happening in the amateur events is once they get on the greens, they cannot look at their books. So all of a sudden, guess yeah. what? You've got to look at the ground. Yeah, You've right. got to see what the slope's doing rather than looking in the yardage It book. is a fantastic <laughs> rule. And yeah. please, can we just adopt it? Because green, green reading is one of the great arts in golf. Arnold Palmer's got a famous line about this. Someone asked him one day, do you think you're the best putter on tour? And he said, no, I don't think I'm the best putter. I'm the best green reader. Mm. And I love that about Arnie. That is good. I love it. And I think there is a terrific art. I mean, when you, if we're talking about um, people who read greens for a living, Steve Williams. Steve Williams, you know, I, I think he's got about five pitches at home where in the pitcher, which his player winning a tournament, it says great read. You know, Adam Scott's one, Tiger Woods is another. You know, he used to caddy for Greg Norman. He used to caddy yep. for Raymond Floyd. I'm sure they feature up there as well. And apparently it's the same message, great read, you know, on, on these winning pitches that he's got in his house. So it is an art form, and I'm I'm really very, very happy with the USGA making it plain to these junior golfers what the story is moving forward. Yeah, so bring the art back into the green reading, take the science out of it, and also faster play for me is a skill. All right. Did you see the 3M 
Open finish. I did not. I was playing golf this morning, so right. I did miss it. I'm sorry, Mark. Fill let, me in. Let me tell I know you, who won. Let me tell you what happened. So Lee Hodges, he wins his first tournament. He ends up winning by seven shots. I've just Ooh, done my math. Seven? Seven shots. Okay. I thought it was six, but seven. All right. On the 72nd hole on the tee, he only had a three-shot lead. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> and JT Poston, he had a three-shot lead on second. So J, it's 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 a par five, and it, the second shot's across water. J, JT's hit a drive. His ball has crossed the hazard line on the bank of this big bit of water mm-hmm. that you have to carry. So, so he's on a bit of a downslope. He's on a downslope, and the ball is a foot below his feet. Oh, so the how, double how, bagger. How far has he got? He's got a hybrid in his hands, Ooh. and it's in longish rough Ooh. as well. So JT, in his wisdom, is thinking, What's I, I need eagle. Even then. Can I tell you how more stupid this is? Okay. Okay, please. Lee Hodges had it already laid up. So he's not making bogey. He's he's not making eagle, right? He, he's, 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 not making, he's probably not making birdie. Yeah. You know, he's probably not. If mm-hmm. you look at the odds, he did in the end, but he's probably not. He still get, takes out his hybrid, and the ball... Didn't cross much land to begin with. Hit the rocks at the start of the green and bounced straight backwards. So, so now, now he's playing four. Where did he drop? So now, so he's gone back on the fairway. He probably could have got there, but they've done their maths and they thought if we can just take four shots from here or three shots, we're going to finish runner up. We're going to finish runner up. <laughs> so he's laid up, hit a, hit a poor shot. I reckon he was a little bit thick, and he's three putted for eight. Oh, no. And he's finished tied second. Oh. So, uh, how much want, cash did that cost? I want you to try and work this out. Come on, we'll see how good you are with your math. So, Lee right. Hodges made $1.4 million for winning the event. That's 18%. Mm-hmm. 10% is reserved for second. Oh, no, 12%. Yeah, I think it's 12. 12. Mm-hmm. It's 12% reserved for second. So, I'm thinking he's made about. Well, it depends what the uh, yeah, what, what, the purse what, what is. was the purse six or eight million. So let's say it's well, it's, well let's let's work this out. So if it's five million, eighteen percent of five million is nine hundred thousand. So it's basically sounds like an eight million dollar event. It's an eight million dollar event. What's twelve? What's twelve percent of eight million? Uh, eight hundred. So it's going to be around nine hundred. Nine sixty. Nine sixty. So in the in the end, he has split. Second, third, and fourth. So you add all that. I reckon that triple bogey's cost him four hundred thousand dollars. And what <laughs> that about three part? And, and then you've got FedEx Cup points, FedEx and things Cup. like that. Jeez. So I think in the end, the three putt from twenty five feet has cost him four or five hundred thousand dollars. That's huge. Uh, all trying. Well. To hit a uh, miracle, miracle, miracle shot. Okay, I'm trying to get the breakdown here. It looks as though well, maybe this, this was last year's. It yeah, wasn't 2023. Fine. Yeah, so but on, we'll get it. We'll get the gist. I would say, yeah, it's cost him about 350 to 400 thousand dollars. Okay, that's US dollars. Right, so it's half a brick, half yeah. a, half an Aussie brick. Yeah, um, he, just for a three putt and for some silly thinking. <laughs> So My you think God. about that putt for your five dollar voucher on the last green. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Hey, I just have a look. You just mentioned the uh, FedEx Cup, so we've got it here somewhere. Where is it? 
JT Poston. Uh, he started at 60, so he's inside the top 70. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about that in the tick. And projected now, after making the triple bogey eight on the last, he's just snuck in the top 50, so he's 49. Okay. So it's not a complete disaster there, no. but... And he's, oh, yeah, he's, he's doing well. He's already, already probably made a few million this year, but he, he could have made a few hundred thousand more. But uh, I wouldn't, you know... For, the, for everyone else out there, that's still a lot of money. It's still a lot of money. Yeah. But the shot, if you saw the lie, Nick, if you saw the lie really, and you saw the situation. Just aim left, lay it up. And the guy who's leading by three has yeah. already laid up. What the hell are you doing? He's trying to hole it. Well, if if uh, I would have thought if Hodges had been leading by two, you'd think, okay, he's going to make part. I have to make eagle. eagle. If he's laid up into a good spot, he's got wedge in. He's not making six. No. So, yeah. Ended up spinning a wedge to two foot and tapped yeah. in for another birdie. <laughs> oh, I did mean, he it really? was ridiculous. Well, what's the caddy's role wow. in this situation? He'd be giving him a bit mm. of advice, I presume? The caddy, the caddy should have put him in a headlock. Yeah. <laughs> And, and, and should have just... In fact, if I was the caddy... Give him his 9-iron nine nine and say, here you go, I'm running I'll, the other way. I would have thrown his hybrid and his three-wood into the water <laughs> so he couldn't use them. Yeah. If he was even contemplating yeah. using them. It mm. was it was the stupidest thing I have seen for a long, long time on a golf course. I see Aaron Baddeley had a great result. Top yes. 10. Top 10 also. He finished tied for seventh, but that gets him into the Wyndham Championship next week as well, which is yeah. huge. Did you see his eldest daughter has been writing letters to uh, tournaments for I heard him? About it's that, fantastic, yeah. isn't that good? Trying and, to get invitations, yeah, yeah. just try, doing the nice thing, yeah, and, and giving reasons why. Well, well, that basically kind of well, you'd think it almost locks up his card. He went from 109 to 92, 92. on the FedEx Cup. So if he can have a probably another top 10 or top five next week, I would think might get him into the FedEx Cup playoffs because top 70 for the playoffs. Now you've done. Your homework here, which I appreciate because I've done none on this, so, so I <laughs> well, appreciate it. I've done minimal. but The I'm... reason we want to talk about it is because once upon a time, if you got into the top 120 or top 125, which got you into the FedEx Cup finale, or the four-tournament finale on the PGA Tour, you were set for next year, regardless of whether you'd won a tournament or not. You're all exempt for next year. 2024, that all changes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is not bringing into account the new situation with the PIF and Live Golf and, and, yep. and everything Who else. Who knows what that's going to do. What yeah. we do know is that the FedEx Cup this year is only open to the top 70 on those standings at the end of the season. And Now, now there's obviously more to it, mm-hmm. and there's only three tournaments this year. Was there only three tournaments last year as well? I think there might have been three or four. Not sure last year, yeah. But anyway, it used to be four, now it's three. So it is changing. What, what have you found? So... After next week's event, the Wyndham Championship, the top 70 qualify for the FedEx Cup playoffs. First event is the uh, FedEx St. Jude's Classic. uh, And then what happens then is top 50 go on to the next event. And then top 30 is the final event. So if I work my way backwards, if you make it through to the top 30 in the end, which is the BMW Championship, Mm. uh, you get a two-year exemption on the PGA Tour. It gets you into all the designated events, the full-field events, invitations. It gets into everything, It used to get you in the Masters, too, top 30. It probably still does. Uh, And I think it actually got you into the rest of the majors, Mm. all the majors. It usually does. Well, if you're in the top 30, you're probably top 50 in the world anyway, and you're going to be in now. Top 50, that gets you into the uh, designated events next year, 2024. Postseason, so after the after the Presidents Cup next year, twenty twenty four, yeah, when the de- new designated events are coming into the or this new calendars yep. coming out yes. and all that. Yes. Um, now the top seventy is uh, you're exempt into all the full field events and the invitationals, 
But what happens after the FedEx Cup playoffs is from 51 onwards, 51 yeah. and up, they're yeah. all going to play in this fall series. Right. Because what they're going to all play, you can improve your standings to then hopefully get into the designated events for next year. Right, yeah. So if you finished, what, 100? If you're top 125, you still keep your card at the end of the year. And you play in the full series and, and hopefully improve your ranking. Yeah, exactly. And then at the end of the year, for next once the, once the whole season's done, top 125 gets fully exempt card and then so on and so forth. Right, can I give you one? Clear as mud. Bubble boy for next week? Yeah, well, nice. No, I reckon you did a pretty good. It was okay. I, I understood it. Um We've got one bubble boy I can see. Okay. Cam Davis is currently, after finishing tied 10th. Tied 10th. So he's currently 69th. So he's right mm. on that bubble. So he needs, needs to play. He probably just needs to make a cut. Needs to make the cut. Yeah. Probably uh, a top 40 finish, something like that. Also, by the way, the 3M. Did you see Daniel Gale Monday qualified? Yes. And he, with a slam dunk. Yes. On the last Shot hole. 60 <laughs> in the pre in the pre-chop on Monday. Yeah. That's it, two like, years in a row he's qualified for this 3M Open. But and, did, and he was all, he was on track to make the cut and you know play well the first round but then he he, he struggled. Did you see what the PGA Tour did to him though? What I was a little bit dirty, right? So okay. if you've seen this kid play and you would have seen him yeah. all last summer if you were watching Fox Sports and 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 what you and I did, we saw him a lot. He's got an unusual swing. Yeah, it is. Right? It's an unusual swing. The PGA it's a bit Tour, Kenny, Kenny Perryish to me. Yeah, mm. and you know shaft lines going yeah. all over the joint. He's got a big floppy hat. What did they do to him? They they said here is the our one of our Monday qualifiers and his unusual swing. Okay. And they showed it, and they they you know got all the, the slow mos. That's great for him. It's good they, publicity. They got him to talk about <laughs> his unusual swing. Okay. So, so whoever spoke to him goes, tell us about the way you swing the club and what you know mm. it's 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 all yours. Well, you know, I don't know. That's okay. Good luck to him. Well, I had an unusual swing. If somebody came up to me after they saw me play early days and they're going tell us about that unusual swing of yours I would have been heartbroken because I was always trying to swing it nicely you probably thought jeez I'm swinging it great what are you, what are you talking, talking about, about? I'm just playing yeah. fantastic I think my left foot's planted you know <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh anyway he, he, look, yeah. he ended up you know, making a couple of bog- double bogeys late in that in that round, or a couple of double bogeys on each nine, I think it worked out, and he ended up missing the cut by a fair bit. What was the cut? It was a very low cut. It was about four or five under. Uh, I think it was four, yeah, four under. Hey, j- just talking about the new setup for next year, uh, the local rule that you mm. and I were really in favour of, um, well, the PGA Tour came out this week and said they don't think so. No. So I want to talk to you about this on the 10th day. I'll see you there. Okay. 
You're spot on there, Mark. There's heaps of gear for righties, of course, but as you know, I am a lefty, so there's a heap of gear for lefties Mm. as well, and plenty for both men and women. And if you're after a great Prezi idea, you can get gift cards in-store or online. So if you're looking for great golf gear and great prices, the Golf Clearance Outlet needs to be in your plans to go and check it out. See the team in-store at Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane and Perth or online, golfclearanceoutlet.com.au. It's that simple, Nick. Can't wait. Hang on, hang on, Nick. I thought you were righty putting now. Oh, that's right. I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Like the podcast? No. Maybe tell a friend. Drop them a text or share it on your socials. This is Talk Birdie to Me with Nick O'Hearn and Mark Allen. Hey, I noticed you didn't spotline when you hit your drive off the 10th tee. <laughs> What's, what the hell is wrong with you? I, want, I, I saw all the girls spotlining. I want you to yes. do a masterclass about spotlining, okay. but you don't spotline. I, I can do the masterclass on that. I don't spotline or shaft line, whatever you want to call it. Sha- they, who calls it shaft line? Well, I don't line. know. You, you said they, they held their shaft up pointing down the line. A lot so. of, I watched a lot of the girls. A lot of the girls who spotline use their shaft okay. to spotline. So it's when they stand behind the ball and aim. So yeah. basically it's to, yeah, okay, I'll, yeah. Do, I'll do that in the masterclass. I know oh, what it's all good. about. That'd so. be good. But I don't do it because I kind of know where I'm aiming. So uh, we spoke earlier about the US tour putting out an announcement last week that the local rule that the RNA and the USGA suggested that they use in elite competition, meaning that they'll be using balls that didn't go as far in elite competition, they put out a press statement this week saying we're not doing it. What do you make of that? I mean, I, I was I was actually shocked. Very disappointed. Um, yeah, really. Rory McIlroy's behind it. He's gonna. He was thinking he's gonna start using the the new ball in tour events, even though they don't have to do it. What for the majors? Because I have a feeling it may come into the majors. The PGA Tour, you see, don't run any of the majors. That's right. The RNA do the Open, USGA, US Open, PGA of America, PGA yeah. to the US PGA. The only, so the only one that got the Players Championship that. Well, Randall Shambley wants to call the, the fifth, fifth major. Yeah, yeah sure. Right. Yeah. So if the USGA and RNA bring it into those majors, well, mm. then all of a sudden the players will have to get used to this other ball. So Rory mm. was saying he will play this new ball in regular PGA Tour events, even though he wouldn't have to if right. the PGA Tour does not take it up. And apparently they're not behind it. And I was pretty disappointed because we've spoken about this yeah. before. For Look, for every golfer out there, it's really not going to make any difference to us That's right. who's swinging it around at 100 mile an hour or less, we would club no, head speed. We would not notice the difference no. at all. No, it's only for the players that hit it an absolute mile who'd really generate you know, 115, 120 mile per hour club head speed, yep. but it will help protect the golf courses. They won't have to keep lengthening these things where they're going into different properties and and churning up, you know, expenditure for maintaining golf courses and all this sort of thing. Yeah. So the, the the great golf courses of the world, they won't get changed. Yeah. Or will be less changed because, look, they're actually not limiting that much. That's to right. be honest, it's only going to be 15 yards. 15 to a, yards. To a 330-yard drive already. I mean, that's crazy. So, But it, 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 there'll be people out there who go, oh, it's only 15 yards. Who cares? But yeah. it's the golf club that cares because... They can't keep on going backwards. Mm-hmm. They've run out of real estate. It would be, if you're an AFL person, if they invented a uh, go, uh, a Sharon that instead of going 50 metres, mm. went 80 metres. 
Well, we're just not going to make the MCG <laughs> or Adelaide Oval yeah. or the SCG. It's not going to get any bigger. You take a mark on the edge of the square and all of a sudden you kick it into the grandstand. That's, that's right. <laughs> so it, it just what it does is it changes the dynamic of the sport. Yeah. And, you know, you, you go back 30 years, I think Dan Pohl was leading it with 276 yards or 40 years. Dan Pohl was an ex-baseball player. He hit it 10 past it's everybody else. Too, right? No, no. Yeah, okay. short swing. Short oh, swing. okay. Yeah. I thought he was a lefty, sorry. No, might have, he might have been a switch hitter when he was a baseballer. Maybe. Who, who knows? Uh, but you uh, know where this is coming from, though. Obviously, the manufacturers yeah. and the players who are on bonuses to yeah. get those you know, things. For, so we know where it's coming yeah, from. Well, it's right. all money related. That's right. No, I'm, I'm with Titleist. So yeah. hopefully I don't lose my little contract. Here. But <laughs> if, if I was uh, Justin Thomas. I use the Titleist gear myself. Good. If I was Justin Thomas and... Um, uh, Mr. Mr. Kushnick came to me and said, "Hey, listen, we need to win this little battle here. We're paying you three million bucks a year to use our golf ball. We don't want you side with anyone else but us." <laughs> I would look at Mr. T- Mr. Kushnick and say, "I got your back. Yeah, yes, no boss. <laughs> I, I've got your back. Don't worry about me." So, this is why I think instead of it being a local rule. The USGA and the RNA have made a big mistake here. Don't make it a local rule. Make it a rule. Mm. Make it this. This is what we're doing moving forward. We're making golf balls that spin more with the driver, or however you want to do it. Yep. However, however you want to do it, and the reason we're doing this is not to ruin the Titleist or the TaylorMade or the Callaway bottom line in their selling their golf balls. We're not doing it that for that. We're doing that so the best golf courses don't get made to be look ridiculous mm. when the big boys come to town. And, and we spoke about this, the Women's US Open. The Women's US Open was a great event, but it wouldn't have been the same if it wasn't at Pebble Beach. Mm. So the great golf courses, we've got to preserve them like we preserve the Adelaide Oval and the SCG. And the Gabba, you know, it's this. We don't want to have to go and build bigger ones. We want them to be, you know, so we can kind of see, you know, Nico Hearn walking down the fairways of Miriam like Ben Hogan used to. Mm. And we and we've got some kind of gauge as to how good everybody yeah. is. Yeah, well, the old course at St Andrews. How many tee boxes now are not inside the fence line that they used to be? It's something like five or six. Five, is five, five. Five tee boxes yeah. are out of bounds. Yeah. They're and not even on the golf course. It's unbelievable! It is ridiculous. Yeah. It can't go. It can't go any further. No. So, like, I was disappointed. I understand why that the PGA Tour have come out, and believe me, I don't think the PGA Tour at the moment are in a position, after what they've done with the <laughs> Live Golf, to go against what the players want. Are they? You can imagine if you you imagine if Jay Monahan had a little bit of kickback about the ball mm. after what's just happened with Live Golf and everything else. The players would have him removed immediately yeah. if, well. if, if the PGA Tour didn't support it. Anyway. Yeah, I, I hope the Masters, the US Open, I hope they implement this model local rule and they mm. have the players using the new stuff. So we'll see. Well, if the Masters do it and the US Open do it, you would think the Open And then the Open. Sorry, that's it. the other one. Yep. What about the PGA? Well, I mean, I, it's I a think different would, entity, isn't it? It's another different entity, yeah. But I would think they'd follow suit. Because they're all aligned, the you know the governing bodies, and the PGA Tour sits off to the side, but also they're aligned with them as well. You would think, but yeah. apparently not. Yeah. So crazy. So 
Last question on this. Hmm. When you played in Colorado and or in really high altitude yep. places, um, it was the same ball, but mm-hmm. basically it was a different ball because there was less friction up in that altitude. And your 150-yard 99 nick probably went 165 yards. Mm. Is that right? Something yeah, like it that? Was, it was generally around 10%. 10%. 10%. Well, hang on, it's... Uh, there is a rule. I wrote this in my in my Did book. You? I was trying to think how far it was. It was a yard for extra every. What was it? Thousand Maybe, feet. Might have been two two meters for every thousand feet. Something yeah, okay. like that. Yeah. So right. five thousand feet. I know I was hitting the ball ten meters right. further. So, so how long did it take you to get used to that? Oh, a couple of holes. Yeah, three <laughs> holes. <laughs> it wasn't long. That's exactly. You right. figure it out. It's three holes. Yeah. So you, you mentioned they'll Roy, adjust. You you, re, you mentioned Roy McIlroy uh, talking about using that ball. All the way through, I bet he doesn't. <laughs> well, <laughs> I bet he doesn't because yeah, it's prob- going to take him three holes to get used to the new ball. Probably not. Yeah. Well, when they had the small ball and the big ball back in the day, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's pretty simple. And, and 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 by the way, you know, every time these players warm up now, they've got that little machine. It's not even a track man. It just sits. It sits yeah, kind of the, opposite, opposite the on G- the other side of the ball to where they're standing. What is it? It's a G4 quad or something it's yeah, called, Yeah, the G4 quad. Yes. What a machine. I've had a go. Mm. It's Have you? Un- yeah, unbelievable. Sets you back about 16000 or something. Ooh, okay. I think there's another one that only sets you back about five if okay. you're really desperate to know how <laughs> far it goes. But it would it would only be a matter of putting one of those in front of you on dial, the tee. Yeah, dial your numbers in very quick. And you, the reason they're doing that each week is because the, because the conditions change, whether it's hot or cold or... You want to know how much... It's only two or three yards here or there for those players. Yeah. But they also want to know exactly what it's doing on that day. Yeah. It won't take no. long for them to get it. Now, Dan, I know you've been under the weather and you've had a cold, mm. but uh, it is time for some feedback. How are you feeling? You right? Uh, I still have a cold, and yeah. I still am very croaky. Nah, but, uh, the, that's right. the sexy voice, Dan. But it's, uh, <laughs> it's not remotely looking, sexy. But I'll push on. You look good. Plenty of feedback, and a couple of uh, questions for you guys too. The first right. bit of feedback here uh, is from Ray Mack. Oh, hey, there's Ray. Thanks, Ray. Uh, Ray has said, "Hey, Nick and Mark, how about talking Latvian in your next podcast?" Right, well, well, we've we talked done about that for you. We talked about a Latvian. <laughs> Ray's got one of the best jumper games in Australia. Mm. Beautiful oh. jumpers wherever he goes. He's the most well-dressed club golfer he, I've ever seen. He certainly is. I have a yep. feeling his wife, Farah might pick him out for him because oh, really? she's very yeah. uh, well-dressed as well. That Question for you guys from Brett. Brett has said, what advice do you give to overcome mental frustration when you're trying to improve in practice and more predominantly when playing a round of this game that we love so much? Excellent question. Um, I don't reckon Nick had too much frustration. <laughs> I did. Who am I talking to? Brett. Brett. I found when I was practicing and trying my hardest to get better at golf, there were a lot of times when I was frustrated. You had to just check yourself and check your direction. And you've got to get in your head that, you know what, I'm happy with the direction I'm trying to go. And then go hit a few chips or go and hit a few putts and then come back a little bit later and start again. But if you are frustrated on the driving range um, and you get a little bit confused about the direction you think you might be going, that's a rotten situation to be in. You've actually mm. got to clear your head. Yeah, you've, you've got to stop and go go do, go do something else just for a little bit. 
Well, as we know, a couple of things there, I think, for me is, uh, firstly, if you are frustrated and you're not exactly sure about what you're doing on the driving range, well, you go get a lesson from your yes. local PGA, PGA pro. We know that. Absolutely. On the golf course, if you're feeling that same frustration, the one thing that always worked for me whenever I was struggling mentally on the course was to switch off between shots. That's mm. so important because that downtime you have, those few minutes between hitting the little white golf ball, which tends to annoy the heck out of us, if you can take your mind away from the game, that just gets your mind refreshed by the time you get up to the next shot. Tick, and, tick, uh, tick. away you go again. A question from John Timonson here. Uh, and you answered this one on, online, Nick, but mm, uh, we'll, okay. we'll ask it again on the podcast. What about Billy Horshell setting up for putts? It looks really awkward. What is he trying to achieve with this approach? It just doesn't seem to be that effective. Yeah, Billy gets a bit of a run, doesn't he? Oh, that was part of our... Well, we should have included that in our... Um, what was it? The most awkward... Awkward. Uh, uh, worst ball. looking... Annoying over the yeah. ball players. Tough to watch, yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> we, 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 we're, actually, we're only thinking about swings, weren't we? We, we were. should have been thinking about putts. Forgot about the putts. Yeah, Billy's hard to watch when he's oh. going back and forth, back and forth. Open, shut, open, shut. Okay, I'll settle now. I'll strike it. Yeah, it kind it's of reminds, horrible. reminds me of a dog trying to find somewhere to pee. A bit like, yeah, uh, like Bob Estes when he tees the ball up. That is exactly what it looks but like. I see Billy had the beard on... Uh, this way, and he played well too. Because yeah. remember, he shot eighty four a few yeah, weeks ago. I and remember was the in tears. tears, and yeah. yeah, he's found his game again, which is great. Now it's annoying. Uh, please don't do it. That's Thank, the answer. Thanks Stop for the it. question there, John. Got a uh, comment from uh, AJ Dubai here, uh, and this is on the Open from a week and mm. a half ago. Mm. Thoughts on crowds, guys? I thought the fans were the worst I've ever heard at an Open. So much of the bubba booey nonsense. Most of them sounded like that American accents. Why didn't security boot these morons out? And I thought it was one of the more boring opens. Your thoughts, please. Well, it was only boring because one bloke played so well mm. that he made it boring, apart from those banana peel starts that he had on Saturday and Sunday, which were interesting for about five minutes, and then he just kept on making birdies. Um, yeah, I don't like the Bubba Booey stuff. And and we all know, you know, that time of year, it is boys' trip, mega... You know, it's, it's Mecca for the boys' trip. The golfing blokes' trip from yep. America, they all take off and get over there. Unfortunately, it ends up being a drinking contest as well as a golf contest. And that's what happens. Yeah, they could easily, I think, get the security guards out to the marquee groups where it usually happens and just keep an eye on, you know, face yeah. the crowd rather than look where the ball's going because most of the security people out yeah. there are watching the ball themselves. <laughs> They're not looking at the people. You could do it that way, but unfortunately, it's just one of those stupid yeah. things that happens. Headlock them or just ask them to leave? Uh, you, give, give, them a, give them a little leave pass, I yeah. think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, a couple more bits of feedback here. Or oh, one, one bit of feedback and a question for you. Scott has written in, he heard last week's podcast, and he said, Harry and Rory are obviously close friends, but it's time for a change. Mm. My opinion, anyone can caddy within reason, but the best caddies can make a difference, particularly when the pressure on the player is high. It's a tough one, as they've had huge success other than winning majors. Yeah, we spoke about this, didn't we? Where I yep. think uh, I think he needs a change in that regard. Someone who's a bit more of going to send him a bit of tough love, especially in the majors, when, which is when he needs it the most. He, regular tour events for him, they're not a warm-up event, but they, you know they're not as important as we know. He's discussed how the majors are, his be-all, end-all, and the pressure he puts on himself. And I think if he could find the right person to maybe calm him down, bring him down to the level he needs to be in at those. Mm. higher events and when the tough moments come to say Rory look let's let's toughen up here we need to get this done rather than oh you're doing fine Rory it's all yeah. great you know you need a bit of that mm. has he had the tough love before uh, tough love before and from JP he did yeah mm. maybe he just needs a break uh, I reckon or a break of some sort he, yeah. he'll, he'll get back to it I'm sure you've, you've got to have that strong voice yep 
Particularly if you're contending all the time. Last one here from, and I apologise if I get this name wrong, Daniel Zabricki. Daniel has said, uh, and this is a question for you guys. Daniel has said, uh, hi guys, love the podcast. Question for Nick and Mark. I've heard you mention a few courses that you're currently members of. How many golf clubs are you currently a member of? And how many Mm. clubs have you been a member of throughout your golfing careers? Hmm. When I first started playing, I was a member at Ringwood there just for a very short period Mm -hmm. of time, Ringwood Public. Um, I felt like I was a member at Albert Park Public because Dad used to play there when he was a kid, so I always got dragged back there to play. Uh, and then I was a 30-year member of Huntingdale Golf Club, and then I had an opportunity to draw, join Kingston Heath. And I'm glad I did because I was a bit stale at Huntingdale. It's a wonderful club. I loved Huntingdale. I loved my 30 years there. But I, I needed something to get me playing golf again because I wasn't... Uh, it was too much running in tennis where I was running. I was mm. playing tennis. I was... Too much running in tennis. <laughs> you need way, to play doubles. More, way too much running. Yeah, so um, I was keen to get back to golf and um, Kingston Heath uh, came just at the right time. I've been there for eight years. Oh, very good. Well, Daniel, I was a member, uh, well, I still am a member at Mount Lawley Golf Club in Perth where I grew up playing. Um, my family's all still there, funnily enough. And then in America, I was at a golf course called Isleworth, which probably has the most famous fire hydrant in history where, uh, where Tiger decided to drive into it. A lot, uh, lot of golfers are members there. And then we, when we move back to Australia, I'm now a member at uh, the Woodlands Golf Club, which is, just happened to be reciprocal with Mount Lawley. So I joined there. Uh, I'm at the National. Uh, love playing down at the National and, and also now up at Cathedral as well, which is a couple of hours away. So uh, spread out pretty well. How are you going? Yeah. yeah you going just Not fine. too bad. Hey, can I ask you a bit of feedback? This is from last week's show. Mm. And this is from, this is from me. You talked to me last week about caddies and how they've got to get wet and they've got to get soaking even. Uh, oh, yeah. As well. I know that when you lived in Europe, Alana, your wife, was your caddy. <laughs> That's right. Now, how do you deal with the caddy's got to be the soaking one, you're okay, when your wife is your caddy? <laughs> yeah, that was a tricky situation. Good question. Probably uh, the reason that we uh, got her off the bag as well, because <laughs> if we were going to stay married, uh, yeah, after a while she said, yeah, if we're going to stay married, I think we need to find another caddy. But yeah, that was a tricky one. I, I was holding the umbrella probably a lot more then than um, for, for over her rather than what I would do for Wilbur for sure. And the oh, bag was a lot lighter for Alana oh, as well. I can remember. You but I don't know how brother. she, I tell you, so here's a story oh, back wow. in the day. I don't know if I've told this one before. We were playing yeah. at, at the K club. Yeah. Uh, and Wilbur, unfortunately his grandfather had passed away. So he said, look, I can caddy the Thursday, but I've got to fly back for a funeral on the Friday. So right. no problem at all. Wilbur first round shoot 77, not a great day at all. Right. And we've arranged for Alana to come on the bag on the Friday. So Alana's got the bag, and as we're walking off the first tee, she's going, geez, I don't remember it being this heavy. <laughs> <laughs> Halfway down the roll, uh, down the hole, she plonks it down and says, I'm not sure I can carry this. I said, well, I'm not going to do it because <laughs> I can't carry <laughs> this bag right. around. So she, she toughened it out, shot 69. With You're Alana on joking. the bag. On the range the next day, Wilbur got so much crap because uh, yeah. Wilbur flew back from from the UK and they've all gone, oh, you're back on the bag. I thought he had a proper caddy on yesterday. <laughs> so, <laughs> you got your job back. So anyway, it was a lot, she you, made it a, made a comeback for once. That's a mighty effort Huge. to get halfway down the first. Like oh. if you haven't carried a tour it's, bag it's for heavy. a while, it's heavy. It's not like a carry no. bag. And it's not like your yeah. bag that you'd take. And she hadn't done it for about heavy. five or six years either. So at that point, so it was a big effort. Did no. you have your waterproofs in there and a couple extra no. towels? I, I, and I might have. I might, I might have had to have ditched some stuff at the halfway hut. Jeez, <laughs> gee whiz! Well done, Alana. Okay, it's time for the top five. Now, I saw this during the Open Championship. And it made a lot of sense to me. 
I think it was the guys from No Laying Up said, somebody has got to put a stop to what Victor Hovland is <laughs> wearing in this Jay Lindbergh <laughs> stuff. And if you saw what he was wearing in the last round, you would have to agree. I, when, when the Jay Lindbergh stuff came out at the start, I thought, yeah, okay, so they're trying a little bit harder. Mm. But now they've, gone, they've, they've jumped the shark. They're, they've gone too far. Did you, did you see the press interview that uh, no. Victor Hovland did a while back? About no. It? They all said to him, so what, do you wear this sort of stuff, you know, in everyday life? He says, no, I just wear blacks and greys and whites. I'm very, very neutral. He said, but every week they send me this stuff and they're paying me, so I've got to wear it. Well, I'm, I'm very thankful to the people out there saying we've got to put a stop to this. So what's your top five? The top five worst-dressed golfers in the history <laughs> of the sport. Okay. Now, I've taken into account different eras as well because – right. What we look back at, you know, with old Tom Morris and young Tom Morris and what their kit was, I get it. They were probably very, very well dressed for their time. But I'm putting Victor Hovland as number five. And, and that's only because of this Lindbergh stuff that he's wearing. Okay. It's got to stop. It actually has to stop immediately. <laughs> it, it's just not on anymore. It's over. You talking about it is probably exactly what the, they want. Yeah, good. Yeah, it's, right. it's over. Number four. A lot of people like hating this bloke. He beat one of our very best at Augusta, chipping in on the 11th. Oh, okay. He actually beat Seve Belasteros in that playoff as well, but Seve three-putted on the, on the 10th. Larry Mize. Larry Mize wore purple pants three times a week. <laughs> you can't wear purple pants three times a week. Not unless you're the joker. Not unless you're a pimp. Right? <laughs> you just can't oh, do it. You cannot. You can't do it. And Larry, I forget the brand of what clothes it was, but it was the long sleeves. It was the you know the buttons down the front. Mm. They went down to his navel. It's just no good. I don't think you guys would probably ever have owned a pair of purple pants in your life, right? No. No. Never. Sky blue and that sort of... You can get yeah. away with a lot as golfers, yeah. funnily enough. Purple, yeah, it's, it's, a purple it's, jumper. It's tough every now and then if you play a tournament and then you've got to go to the, the shopping centre or the mall in America yeah. straight after and you walk down the mall in what golfers wear and you think, mm. yeah, I'm a little bit out of place here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, this next one, number three, you've got to understand this is my personal taste. All right? I'm not speaking for everybody in this podcast. Okay. It's just my personal taste. John Daly wearing the loudmouth stuff went too far as well. Yeah, I agree. It was just stupid in the end. They were trying so hard. It was actually loud loudmouth there for a little while, put on a comp to see how stupid they could make their players look and they achieved it. They did well. They looked as stupid as you could ever possibly look. So John Daly goes in there as number three. At number two, this only lasted about three months, but it was atrocious. Okay. When Phil Mickelson started wearing business shirts on the <laughs> golf course. <laughs> and that commercial where he was dodging <laughs> golf balls. <laughs> that commercial where he was dancing around, wearing this stupid shirt. <laughs> Outrageous. Yep. Outrageous stupidity, and I'm glad that's over. But the number one, and this isn't so much for what clothes he was wearing, but what he was wearing on his head. Yamo Sandlin mm. and the glasses that didn't go around the ears, they went on top of his cranium. And, Dan, I've shown you the photos, yeah. and you are going to post that on all of our socials because Yamo, in my view was the worst dressed golfer that has ever played the game. Yamo, he was a unique human being. I played with him a bit over on the European tour, and I remember one day he showed up with this shirt on that was made of hair. Yep. 
It was a hair shirt. Yes. I mean, I remember. it was like a, yeah, kind of like a, a fur coat, yeah. but, but it was a shirt. And yeah. I had never <laughs> seen anything like it. Another time he showed up where he had cowboy boots on and he decided to nail Some nails through the bottom of them as his spikes. spikes. Yeah. He yeah. was just a very unique human being. He was the guy that had the 52-inch driver. That's right. And he That's right. Selling. We when were he, recommending 44 <laughs> inches a couple of shows ago. I saw him hit it a few times and when he hit it straight, it went a mile. But I tell you, he hit some colossal wides with that thing. I wonder where Yamo is these days. Well, he's he, playing uh, seniors, uh, Legends Tour, I think, in, uh, in on the European oh, side. We, we better look him up yeah. for next he, week. He probably played at the Senior Open. So you, you played with him. You, did, you didn't, though, right? No, he used to come to Australia a bit, and I was just I couldn't get over some of the outfits he was wearing down here. Was he just a really quirky guy, or was he kind of putting on a bit? No, he's very quirky. Yeah, quirky. Very quirky. Quirky sweet. Yeah. Now, but a lot of the Swedes tend to be a bit that way. They just think outside the box, and probably a lot of them are artists. I don't know. So. Yeah. Speaking of it, we didn't do the Senior Open as well because uh, Alex Checker. Now, I'm glad you brought it up because apparently the weather on oh. Saturday and Sunday was so obscene that no did, one did broke anyone, par. Not one person no one. broke par? Yeah. So the leaders going into Sunday was level par. What do you think won the golf tournament? Two over. Five over. Are you joking? <laughs> Five over. Oh Alex Checker God. beat uh, Padraig Harrington in a playoff. I didn't see Padraig's chip in the playoff, but apparently he chipped it like an 18 handicapper. He kind of yeah. duffed it. Oh. And Checker won with a birdie on the uh, second playoff hole. But Richard Green tied seventh. Good result for Green him. Well done. Uh, Steve Orker was leading after a couple of rounds, but imploded on the weekend. Had a hole in one on Saturday, though, in horrific conditions. Yeah, it was okay. blowing 50, 60 kilometer hour winds with rain, and oh, mm. it was unbelievable. All those players you mentioned, Spotline, which is great. Oh, okay. I know you don't. Do they? I, I, okay. want, I want to hear your masterclass right. next on Spotline. All right, so the masterclass this week in honour of Mark because he requested actually, it. Actually, <laughs> just to, before you go any further, okay, come on. How come you didn't spotline? Because you and Steve Elkington are the only ones. Yeah. Everybody else I played with spotlined. Yeah. Why did you not spotline? So the reason people do the spotline is because of the intermediate target. They're yeah. going to say they're standing on the tee and they're looking down. They're going, right, I want to aim at that tree or the edge of that mm. bunker down there. So they hold their shaft up, getting a nice straight line between that and the ball. And then they pick out something, I don't know, five, six yeah. feet away, maybe 10 feet in front yeah. of them, an intermediate target. And then they aim at that. I always found I never needed it because I... Once I was over the ball, I knew where I was aiming. Right. The funny thing is... This when is going to make this masterclass even better <laughs> that you didn't do it. When I, when I went to right-handed putting, yes. no clue where I was aiming. <laughs> so you started spotlighting? No. Oh. My natural feel and instinct took over, and, okay. and I just kind of you know, let, the, let the talent come through, so, so to speak. But did, I will, did but Nicholas used to spotline his putts? Intermediate putts, yeah. yeah. No, did. for sure. Yeah. It's a great thing, I think, for a lot of golfers out there because... One of the most common errors that we find as professionals when we play with am amateur partners is they hit a good shot and it goes 20 yards right. And they go, why'd it go there? Well, because you're, you're aiming, aiming there. there. Yeah, right. exactly. So picking an intermediate target, and what we mean by that is something just in front of you is much easier to aim at than way, way off in the distance. Now, if you play a lot of golf like myself or a lot of pros or whoever, uh, although apparently not many of us do it, uh, you will know where you're going to be aiming. But if you're not quite sure, this point the shaft... So you want to stand about five yards behind the ball, 
look down the line of where you want to go, point the shaft so that it goes over the ball and you're targeting the distance and then find something along that shaft that's five, six, mm. ten feet in front of you. Pick that spot and as you walk into the ball, aim your club face at that spot. Don't aim your feet at it. Aim the club face and then you set up everything else parallel and you'll be aiming exactly mm. where you want. And as Mark mentioned on the Evian Championship, basically all the all ladies do it. Uh, a lot of the men do it on tour as well. The one who st- stood out for me that I re- when I first saw it, I thought, oh, okay, that's what he's doing was Justin Rose. Yeah. So uh, I'll uh, do a video, put it on the socials, and uh, it'll be out this week, and it might help you hit them straighter. One one handy tip that I can add to mm. your, your uh, please because I've never done it because you're not when you're walking in, don't look at the ball, look at the spot. Look at, well, you have to look. You've at got to the look spot. at the spot because yes. if you change. Then you got to search for the spot, <laughs> and, that, and make sure the spot is time. yeah. Make sure it's not a speck of grass or anything. Make sure it's a divot or a, yeah. a leaf or something which is bigger than you know. A five I'll be, I'll be coin. watching your masterclass on okay. our socials. You'll be filming and, it, and make sure that uh, you, you're watching the spot on the way in. It's a very important part. Right, I'll catch you next week. All right, thanks, mate. Oh, there it is. That's Nick O'Hearn and Mark Allen's podcast. Talk birdie to me. Now, if you haven't subscribed yet, make sure you hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and you'll never miss an episode. And if you can share with a friend, well, that'll be awesome too. Talk Birdies Me's executive producer is Dan Bradley at Kaizen Media. Sound design, Daryl Misson at loudzebra.com.